You need so much personal energy to make it work that when you've got that in the hopper, use it, man, because you don't, you're gonna need all of it. And so postponing something or waiting for a better time, it's never really played out well. Like once you get in your head what you wanna do, make the leap. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. Today, we sit down with our friends, Mary Cullinane and Stacey Rainey, the dynamic duo behind Addison County's Community Barn Ventures and the Stone Mill. Welcome. This is Sam Roach-Gerber and Dave Bradbury, recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Today's episode is brought to you by the Center for Women in Enterprise. Mary and Stacy, hello. Hello. Welcome. Hi, Sam. Hi, David. It's been far too long since seeing you in particular. So thanks for making the trip to Burlington today to talk about Middlebury today. We will always <laughs> and all say, things Vermont, right? I'm always stoked. Always say yes to one of your invites. I know. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. I can't <laughs> wait. This is going to be the best. I, again, like Dave and I have been practicing our socializing, you know, so we're like, we can't bring people in yet until we really work on it. And I was barely able to have a normal conversation anyway, so this COVID <laughs> hangover has For been you. very difficult. Yes. <laughs> Taking so. you in the wrong direction, huh? <laughs> totally. Um, so I just, I want to talk by, uh, start by, wow, see, talk by starting. I want to start by talking about your backgrounds and how you sure. two met, because I think that's just an awesome story. <laughs> um, yeah, so Stacy and I both worked at Microsoft a long, long time ago. Um, Microsoft as some folks might know, at one point in its storied history was told to try to act more like an adult by the DOJ and and do a better job as corporate citizens. And so they identified a pool of money that they were going to figure out how they could use those resources to, to have a better impact socially in a global space. And so what got started was this program called Partners in Learning. And Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer had identified education as the area in which they were going to invest in. And at that time, I was at Microsoft and got an opportunity to get involved in Partners in Learning, and then the program began to grow. And so we were given a large sum of money to invest at the state level in the United States and then given some more money to invest globally. We were looking for a star in the Massachusetts region to invest or manage those investments and that's when Stacy joined Microsoft. And so we had the opportunity to work together a long, long time ago on a bunch of amazing projects that, absent for your business card saying Microsoft, you probably wouldn't have the opportunity. That's Microsoft. Right. That right there. The beginning. Why didn't one of you say, make sure your phones are off? Yeah, that, that we job is that? Uh, again, it comes down to like new social really? skills, relearning. That's, that's the bat phone, so both of our phones ring when, <laughs> when we get a call to that number. Um, and so that's, you know, that's kind of how we met and have had crazy careers ever since and knew we wanted to work together again. So you had the opportunity to work together and then... went separate ways and then we're kind of looking for an opportunity. Exactly. Yeah, and the time that we were at Microsoft, it was was amazing, incredible experience, but we spent that time helping other communities in other states, other countries, and when we both ended up in Vermont, 
we knew that we wanted to do something in, in our community. And that was kind of a big piece of our thinking. Why do we want to do this? Where do we want to do it? And we kept thinking, is Middlebury right? Do we want to go further to Burlington or somewhere north? And we just kept coming back to we want to do this in our backyard. Why Vermont? Why, what, what was the draw there? So I, I got married here many years ago. I had a house over in the Mad River Valley. And my husband and I would come up all the time. And we'd be like, hey, how do you make it work? I'd worked for a big company. And there aren't that many big companies up here. And so it took us a while to find kind of the anchor for that. And it ended up being um, when I took a job at Middlebury Interactive Languages in sure. Middlebury. And then my husband was could just take his business and do it from uh, from Vermont by that point, and it just worked. So we're like, all right, we'll go do this. My eldest is about to start kindergarten, and the timing was perfect. And then did that for a period of time. And Mary and I, around that same time, were both ready to get off that corporate train and, and go in a different direction. And you were like, Middlebury's pretty great. Think you're gonna like it. <laughs> Where did you move? Right. <laughs> I was coming up to visit. Her. She's really cute kids. And so I was coming up to visit them a lot. And um, so then I had the opportunity. I said, if we could find some solution where I could maybe find some land and build something that's close, I'll do it. But it was going to be a weekend place. Yeah. And then you're just like, yeah, I'm not. The four-hour drive is just. It became like a, like three-day weekends and then four-day four weekends. <laughs> and then we said, let's just do it. You know, you're at a point in your career where. I had moved on. Uh, I was chief content officer at Hilton Lift and Hardcore Publishing. We had went through a restructuring and then an IPO. And you're just at a point in your career where you, you want to look at your calendar and enjoy every meeting. And that's yeah. what we wanted to do. Sorry, one second. Just, it's pretty loud. Oh, don't do this. Yeah. Oh, that's OK. <laughs> that's <laughs> going to be hard for me. It's like, oh, no. All right, no worries. We'll so, give you a koosh ball next time. <laughs> that's really how we thought about our next step. Like, how do you get to a point in your career where you really have the opportunity to make some choices and those choices are motivated are, and are, are infused with the idea of we just, we want to be able to give back and we want to enjoy the process in doing it. Awesome. So, I mean, let's kind of take a step to the next. So what is Community Barn Ventures? How did, how did this idea sort of start to develop once you decided, yes, Middlebury, yes, we're going to start something? You know, I think it's, you take an inventory of yourselves, right? Like you say to yourself, what do we enjoy doing and what are we good at? And where is there a need then to apply those intersections? And so when we came, looked, started looking around Vermont, we saw all these amazing small businesses that were usually founder run, fueled by all of this passion. And yet they didn't want to do all that other stuff that you need to do to run a business. And we said, you know what, that other stuff is where we can help. And I had spent a couple of years in consulting in Boston and enjoyed it, learned a ton, um, but wanted to, to do it for those kind of companies that were doing interesting things and for, with people that you really enjoyed. And for Mary and I at this point, so much of this comes down to the people. And we just want to make sure that we're, we're helping the right kind of people make the right decisions to grow their company, to add jobs, solve whatever issue it is that they're having. And so that's how Community Barn Ventures came about. Um, we called it Ventures because we knew we wanted to do a couple of things. <laughs> um, Stacy came up with the term Community Barn because we knew we wanted it to be rooted in this idea of community. We were done flying around the world and doing things other places. Let's just work where we put our head down at night. 
And so we started off with this, the advisory firm. I'm not a big fan of consultants, generally speaking. And so it was one of those things where we wanted to also be in practice, not just talking about it. And so we, we, understood, we, we understood and had worked at a, more of a national level on how do you find intersections of investment that can help develop economies? And if that question was ever more prevalent, it was prevalent in rural America. And how do we think about these downtown communities and the types of investments and infrastructure that they need so that our main streets can stay alive? And we wanted to find a way that we could contribute to that body of evidence and that body of work. And so we were looking for a way to do that. And that's how we came into the stone mill. So cool. That's so great. And, and what you did with, with your office and space right there in downtown Middlebury, it's just so inspiring. I mean, the community events you've had, the tastings, the sort of uh, speeches enrichment, it, it's, uh, it's different, you know? And it's something about being on Main Street with a window where people look in and say, oh. <laughs> What's going on in there? All right, good Vermonters. <laughs> yeah. You know, we like to look at stuff for a while. Right. And then once I sort of want to meet you, I'll walk in. And I, again, it was such an inviting space. Um, there. Tell us about the stone mill. You just brought that up. That's such a huge uh, undertaking and, and a big part of, of Middlebury mm-hmm. and, the, and the future. Could you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Sure. So we, we purchased the building in January of 2019 from Middlebury College um, and had spent a lot of time even prior to to the purchase, figuring out what did we feel like Middlebury needed, what did we think was could be added to that community, and so we ended up um, putting a restaurant, Mad Taco, in the bottom floor of that space that had long been a restaurant in town, uh, and then the floor above that is the public market. And so, you know, having lived in town at that point for I don't know five or six years. You watch some stores come in and go out and not make it for a variety of reasons. And so you start paying attention to what has worked and, and, and hasn't. And that gave us a lot of pause in terms of who were the vendors that we were going to try to recruit to join us. In the uh, There's a series of four stalls in the space. And, and what was the right mix of them? You wanted folks who were established um, uh, at their businesses, and, and we then were very thoughtful about who we went out and recruited. So we got Daedalus up here in, in Burlington, Slate in Burlington, and the model that we put together allowed them to come down, open a much smaller space, but yet have a representative sampling of their inventory and bring that opportunity to Middlebury, which didn't so much have that rich opportunity to purchase wine or, or homes and home gifts, home design um, items and so forth. And then um, the bookshop uh, was up on Main Street forever. We knew the bridge project was looming, and it made sense for them to come down and have a, a little stall there. And then the last piece of that was really the coffee shop. And there's some great local entrepreneurs, Matt and Alice, who run uh, Royal Oak Coffee, and they came in to stand up a, a smaller coffee shop in that space. And it's just a place where you can come in and do so many different things in one relatively small space. Then above that, we have a, a co-working space, um, and on the very top of that building, we have four um, lodging units, Airbnb units. And that mix was intentional, so that there's multiple reasons why people will come to the building. Um, and, you know, it's just a little bit off Main Street, and we want to make everybody uh, kind of 
give them the rationale, the, the impetus to, to make that trip down, down to the stone mill. And so far, it's been working pretty well. We were just talking about this with um, other folks that we interviewed that were opening a brewery in the Northeast Kingdom, Whirligate Brewing. And, you know, what we're talking about is how in Vermont, it's, you, it's not com- competition between small businesses that are near each other, you know, even if it's two breweries or two bookshops or whatever, because they, you need a reason to go there, right, and walk around and, and do that. So if you can bring a little bit more vitality there, then it's only going to help the other yeah, businesses ships. around it. Yeah, all ships rise. And, you know, we, we had this mantra, and we continue to remind folks, it has to be about experiences, not transactions. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right. And yeah. that's really what, when you think about the stone mill, we really want people to think about that. This is a place where we get to experience well, how amazing it is to live in a community like Middlebury in a state like Vermont um, and, and do so in a way that provides and gives folks energy. So one of the things I wanted to ask, which is sort of related, is, you know, across, you know, all sectors of your business, the, the mill and, and community barn ventures, you've always formed very strong partnerships. That's sort of like a backbone of what you do. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you go about forming partnerships and, and why that's such an important part of it? Stacy's amazing in, in that regard and her ability to put, put dots out on a piece of paper and then draw lines that might not seem apparent and that will stick. And I think those are two characteristics that are super important. Um, and at the end of the day, I think we have always believed throughout our careers that you get a group of smart folks together who have shared passions and shared values, what you are going to be able to do is amazing compared to what you're going to be able to do by yourself. Full stop. And so I think our work has reflected that belief. The challenge is having folks who can actually make that happen, and she's really, really good at it. Well, I think the thing that was also... What we're really thankful for today, given everything that's going on, is none of us foresaw COVID happening. And when it did, knowing that we had the relationships we did with the folks who were in the building in one fashion or another, and that we sat down with each of them and said, all right, what makes sense? What can we do here? How are we going to set this up? Because we had the long view and knew that, that we were going to be around for a long time, and we wanted all of them to continue to be with us. And each of those conversations was was a little bit different, but here we are, hopefully, you know, on the other side of some of this. And um, we're open, Mad Taco's open, and and we're doing okay. And I think a lot of that comes down to the people that are involved, and you just have the tough conversation in a in a very friendly way, you know. And it's worked out so far. That's really great, yeah, because it was the big unknown. I mean, we we did it here. We flipped our own model on its head in July. We're like, whoa, let's forget about what we're, quote, selling. And we started asking, well, what's needed? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we saw, like, households, for example, just the friction between kids that might be in school or not or two people working out of a house that maybe wasn't designed for it. And we're like, great, plus one pass. Mm -hmm. Bring your plus one to work, (laughs) right? Just just for mental space or to both be productive. And that's been a hugely popular change. And, and again, it was sort of just asking a different question mm-hmm. and, and trying to make a go of it. Um, some things that you've learned in COVID through this managing the business 
that you want to tell somebody else? Yeah, you know, I think it is, you have to have that ability to be flexible, right? Like founders and entrepreneurs in general, they're so passionate about what they're doing that sometimes to get this wrench thrown into them is just going to kill it. And the ability to be okay with plus one passes and have it not go against the soul of your business and what right. you've committed to is really, really important. And I think our willingness, all of a sudden, we created an online store in 48 hours. I got to tell you, nowhere in my career did I think I would be managing an <laughs> online retail site. Nowhere. And yet, here we are, you know, putting pictures up and trying to manage inventory, like really, and making deliveries, like whatever you needed to do. And so having the willingness to do that, I think, is super important. And I never thought, <laughs> I never thought we would be doing some of the things that we're doing now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. Like, I, I think, obviously, there's a lot of heartbreak, but I, some of the creativity I've seen from businesses, especially unexpected, that you're like, whoa, that is so awesome. It just, it only makes you want to support those businesses more. Um, so in sort of, you know, living through the COVID and sort of shifting your business model, um, beyond just like the flexibility, are there any like resources that have been particularly helpful that you would want like other Vermont entrepreneurs to know about? We honestly, we've struggled a little bit because we were so new. The first round of a lot of the resources mm -hmm. made by Vermont because we didn't have year over year trending data. history, we, right. We weren't right. eligible for um, and so that has been a bit of a struggle for us. Uh, and I think we still, we point folks to, um, you know, the websites and the organizations and folks who come to us, we make sure that we get them that information as fast as we can. But for us as a business, we haven't really availed ourselves because of this, not strings, but because of the complexity of a lot of that stuff, we just haven't fit into a box. Yeah, yeah, your timing worked against you. For, yeah, right. There was totally. no, there was no 2019. No, you know, income to see against. And yeah, related to that though, we also don't have last summer's revenues. So right now we're like, this is great. We're doing well. <laughs> we're doing 100 percent more 100%, than we did this month yeah. last year. <laughs> yeah, that's that's at least mentally helpful, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, numbers are up. <laughs> that's great. Um, so I just want to take a step back to Community Barn Ventures for a second. Um, one of the things I remember speaking to both of you about is just sort of like the the breadth and depth of your clients. And I just thought that was so interesting. Um, so I'd just love to hear a little bit about who you work with, why they come to you, and why they stick around. Um, I think there's one character. You're right, because when you look at our website, you're like, what is the common thread? We have, you know, people who are in manufacturing. We have folks who are in the service industries. We have construction companies. We have non-for-profits. You're probably like, what is going on here? The one thread that runs through all of them is that they're at a point of transition. So you have a $2 million company that all of a sudden finds itself as a $7 million company, or you have a not-for-profit that's going through a strategic planning process, or you have a $10 million company that's starting now to think about exit strategies and how do they go through that, or you have an entity that all of a sudden needs a, um, a strategic team in place and needs a real leadership team to take the company to the next step. Like they're all going, they're all at a point of transition. I think for us, that has been what's a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, the other thing that we've found is there's a lot of similarities 
just on the business side, companies that, you know, are very different in terms of what they do, but the issues that they're facing behind the scenes are um, surprisingly similar. One thing that we've done, which we didn't anticipate at the beginning, is we've set up a, a shared service model where we have, uh, we have a human resources person, professional who works with us, has worked at very senior levels in, in companies in the past, and can provide on a part-time basis to a number of our different clients and, and does right now that level of expertise, but not at the at the full-time. That's a for like a fractional it's model. A fractional yeah, a fractional like model. Yeah. And it and it works really well. And we just signed on another company for it last week. And uh, it's just gives them the kind of guidance and expertise that they couldn't afford at the stage that these companies are at. And that's been fun for us to to offer and to put together. And I think there's a need for that with a lot of the companies that are at the size they're at in Vermont. We've, you know, we have been involved a lot in educational technologies from a career perspective growing as we started growing up in our careers. And we got asked the question a lot, like, what really does technology make a difference for in the teaching and learning process? And it's very similar in that, at least I believe, at the end of the day, technology can provide you with a level to access to expertise that absent for the technology, you wouldn't have access to that expertise. And it can do so in a way that provides it without bias um, and in a very authentic way. And when we think about now, especially in Vermont, we're able to provide people with access to a level of expertise that they otherwise would be challenged in finding and we would are able to do that in a cost-effective way and in a way that they can access somebody who might be living in Massachusetts or might be living in South Carolina. or And it still works, right? And so once again, I think we've demonstrated that at the end of the day, technology really does start to provide you with that type of access that otherwise it would you'd be a little bit of a sticky wicket without it. Yeah. Uh, that's a great point. I mean, it's why not, right? You, you, as tough as it is to start a company, right? You know, the goal of first year is the second year kind of thing. Right. Um, those sales, those levels that go from two million to ten million is also like the valley of death. Not for capital reasons. Usually, it's usually I can't grow or I'm too rigid and sharing and delegating. That's right. foreign to me, and so it's really nifty to see you both playing at that that role and that level. Mm-hmm. Um, for companies, because there are a lot that need to break out and become bigger and employ more, do internships, and create some wealth and income. Is this a good time to start a business? Well, it's so funny. I mean, it's like when you ask that question, many major things that you do in your life, it's never a good time to do any of them, right? Think about that list. Yeah. And... I, I do believe at the end of the day, when in someone's mind they are at a place where they're ready, then nine times out of ten, helping them to take that step or taking that step personally is appropriate because you need so much personal energy to make it work that when you've got that in the hopper, use it, man, because you don't, you're going to need all of it. And so postponing something or waiting for a better time or all that, I really, if I just think about that from a personal perspective, it's never really played out well. Like 
once you get in your head what you want to do, make the leap. And so right now for starting a company, like, yeah, was it a great idea for us to buy a building, invest a boatload of money in it, open it, and then three months later have to shut it down? Probably not ideal. But we are where we are, and we now have a tremendous community around us, and we're going to figure it out. Yeah, I think that piece of momentum is so important. So important. And I think, you know, Dave and I have just seen over the last few months insane tidal wave of people starting businesses. And I think that, um, you know, obviously some of these people have more time on their hands, you know, whether it's because they're not driving to the office every day or they're furloughed or whatever. Um, but I think, you know, the companies that start in times like this are the ones that are most resilient because they've started in a time where, you know, it's survival mode already, right? So I think that if you can kind of harness that and and sort of leapfrog into the next, hopefully, somewhat um, upward trajectory of the economy, then you're only going to be ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had 100 inbounds from new entrepreneurs or a second company within the first 100 days mm-hmm. since shutdown. It was staggering. Yeah. All over the place. Biotech to products to home knitting. <laughs> it was pretty nifty to see, but... Strange times indeed. Um, where do you, well, where do you? Have you had mentors, professional mentors that have made a difference in your life? And where did they most help? I think it, the thing for me that's been most helpful is when, when there's somebody who, for whatever reason, believes in you and gives you something that's a little bit beyond what you might be ready for, but just says, yeah, you're going to be fine. Go do this. And when you find somebody who does that for you over and over, it gets easier. And then it also teaches you that you need to make sure that you do that for others that are coming up behind you. And I think that's kind of the, the best thing that I have found people do for me. They're like, yep, you're going to be fine. Go make this happen. And then you're like, all right, I guess. If they think I can do it, I'll go give it a whirl and see where we shake out. Um, and you know, it it was just a good lesson or a good experience to have early on, man, like looking in a mirror. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's, I think that's Dave's approach to mentoring me. And it's, uh, seems to be working out. Just go swim. (laughs) Uh, What about you? Have you had one uh, or two or anybody that, yeah, I mean, I started off as a teacher in my career. I taught, uh, I taught seniors in high school when I was 22 and they were 18. And so weird. So weird. So crazy and so much fun. Yeah. Uh, and starting from there to, you know, ending my career as what I did at Home Mifflin Harcourt, all throughout that I would say that the thing that I have reflected on the most from being mentored is watching leaders and looking at the way that they model their behavior and truly believing that, you know, sometimes when you get up to certain CEO levels of big companies, there's this belief, especially at Microsoft sometimes, that you have to act a certain way, right? Like you have to kind of be a jerk to really be that successful. And it has been so refreshing to come across and be inspired by people who have demonstrated that you can be successful and you can be kind and you can give back and you can be worthy of being followed. And those have been the people that I have been most drawn to. So important. 
I think like opening yourself up to observing that too, instead of just being so heads down when you kind of give yourself an opportunity to see who's around you and how they're behaving and acting and why you admire them, that's when you really start to learn that stuff. And how they treat other folks. And when somebody makes a mistake, how do they react? And when things are getting really crappy and the numbers aren't what they are, what's their demeanor? And all those things, I think, I just think it says so much about who leaders are. Absolutely. Well, we really can't lie to you. We were screaming at each other before you all arrived. (laughs) So just... Sorry, the three of us were going at it. So <laughs> I knew Sam had that edge. So. What? <laughs> no. Totally. <laughs> so one thing I, 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 it's such a cliche, cliche question, but I can't help it is if, if you had like one do-over from the time you started Community Run Ventures to now. This is a great question. I can't wait to hear what you said. <laughs> what would you do differently? Oh, we should make them write it down and then read yeah, it. Yeah, and then open them. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. On line that we just had an offsite and uh, we asked each other to, fill out for ourselves and for the other person, what do you like the most about your job? What do you like the least about your job? And what are just some things that you have to do because you have to do them? And she had to fill it out for herself and for me, and I had to fill it out for her and for me. And to see other people's perspectives was fascinating. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about your duo. No pressure, Stacey. None, huh? There's so many. They they happen every day, and I try to put them behind me as fast as I can. Um, I don't think there's any one huge thing which I'm thankful about that I would do differently. Um, I mean, you always want to open faster and sooner and that sort of thing, but that goes away really fast as soon as you're open. Um, I, don't, I can't think I of think a huge, for, huge thing that I would have done differently. For, for me, Because I, it's taught me so much, right? right. Yeah, I mean, we've... I, I think for us, sometimes you take a step back and you say, did you really push yourselves hard enough? Like, could you dreamt a little bit bigger, maybe? Like, we went into buying the stone mill, and, you know, people around us were like, you can do what? You're going to buy this building, and you're going to put how much money into it in Middlebury? Like, that just sounds crazy. And you're going to get some other folks to help invest in it. Like, that sounds nuts. Are you really going to pull that off? And, yeah, we, we, we did. And I think now we're kind of asking ourselves, wow, what else can we contribute to this community? Because clearly there's a pathway for us that we've demonstrated. Maybe we should just have thought a little bit bigger than what we thought of when we did the stone mill. And I don't know if we would have done anything differently. And we obviously still have the opportunity and time to do that. But... I do worry that sometimes you don't think big enough. Yeah, I mean, you have to take risks, right? And I think, um, you know, it's, it can be very limiting, especially when you have those people around you that are, you know, asking you if you can do it. And it's like you're, you know, beating a dead horse, but like, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. Right. There's no one around you being dream bigger, yeah. you know? I think that's part of why it's so important to have a partner, because the other person's the one that's saying, yeah, we can do this. Yeah. And well, that's a good point because I think Mary and I say this all the time. We would never have done this on our own. I, right. I just wouldn't have done this because you need that constant. I need that constant. Well, what do you think? Should we go in this direction or should we go in this direction? Should we talk to this person or this person? And for us, I think every time I say something and Mary challenges it, we end up in a better place. I know everybody says that, but sometimes you just forget to do that. And you get so far in your own head down a decision. And then when it gets questioned, you're like, what do you mean? But I'm so thankful to have that, 
to do this with somebody who you can say anything you want and push back on any issue for whatever reason, and it just, you know, you get to a, a better position. Do you wish you had started this sooner in your careers? Because you had some big company years, and now you're in sort of the, the small entrepreneur. I'm just trying to get yeah. to a sense of, like, I don't know that I would. When do you leap and, and do right, it? When or? Do you, yeah. That's a great question. Well, you think about the order of things. Like, I worked in state government early on. I would never have wanted to do that as an, as, I'm, I'm glad I did that as a younger person. I think that's a hard thing to do. Um, I would have found it difficult to do when I was older. And then big company at Microsoft, small company at Middlebury Interactive, consulting in there too. Like, I like all those little chunks. Um, and I wouldn't have known everything that I got from all of those if I had done this in a different order. And I don't, I'm not going back. Like, I can't imagine going to work in a big company. Like, to me, that just at sounds At some point, you become right unemployable now. working yeah. for yourself, right? right. So, I, you know, I think the... Thinking about it now, the one thing that I believe is consistent for me has been I knew when I was ready. I knew when I had to get out of each of mine, each of my steps. And the thing that I would say to, to folks going through it is when you start to feel that way, really surround yourself with people. Find a way to surround yourself with people that will help you to make that step easier. Because every single, I knew it when I was in education for 10 years. I knew it after I was at Microsoft for 10 years. I knew it when I had gotten to HMH for about six years. I knew at the end of each of those blocks, it was time for me to do something else. And I, I think, Stacey, what you said also about, like, I, I needed what I learned at each of those steps to do what I'm doing now, Absolutely. right? I mean, it's, if you're yourself now, you know, 15 years ago, maybe, but that's just not possible, right? Right. Yeah, because yeah. I think, you know, I, I did the co-op program at Northeastern where you do sort of six months of classes and six months of co-op. And I always tell people it's it's the best because you find out what you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. right. right? So you, you keep eliminating stuff until you sort right. of narrow down what you do want to do. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, there's we work with some brilliant young entrepreneurs, but I think, you know, folks that have had some career experience and sort of figured out what they don't want to do are the ones that, that end up being most successful. I, I worked at a stockbroker here in Burlington my senior year in college, and I didn't want to do that because I had to wear socks. <laughs> and there you it, go. And it so deeply just That's didn't jive heavy. with my headspace. Yeah. I wore the suit and the shoes, but I didn't want to wear socks, and that became a thing. So anyway, here yeah. I am. Yeah, you know it's. <laughs> and I wear socks today. Isn't look that at funny? that. See, <laughs> sold yourself short most days. Anyway. Um, so, I mean, we talked about you guys obviously have a lot of partners, folks you work with. Outside of that, are there any Vermont companies that you really admire that you're totally psyched about? Well, I mean, for me, one of them is the one that we work with. You know, Sarah Keck at Beeswrap, I think, is just truly reflective of, first of all, a woman-led organization. She wears her heart on her sleeve. She truly, she walks the talk and I feel like I have the opportunity to become a better human being every time I interact with her. And so that, as an organization, I think is amazing. Yeah, and it's just a delight. Again, it goes back to the people. We just love spending time with Sarah. Um, you know, Daedalus is another company that yeah. uh, they just had two folks that we hadn't met before came down and did tasting uh, at the Stone Mill on Saturday. And 
They were amazing. They just, they knew their stuff and they share it with us and with all the customers that came through in such a thoughtful way. Like they, they take you along your journey wherever you are on that path about learning more about wine or cheese or whatever it is. And uh, they are consistent in having really good people and they're great to work with from a business perspective as well. So I've enjoyed getting to know those guys. I remember when I first went to Daedalus, I was like a little apprehensive because I was like a fancy wine bar in Burlington. I'm going to be, this isn't going to be embarrassing. And, um, (laughs) and I remember like I was with a friend who was like completely shameless and was like, I'll have the cheapest glass of red on the menu. I don't care what it is because I won't be able to tell the difference. And the sommelier was like, yeah, awesome. No problem. What would you like? And I'm like, you're a sommelier that just was like, awesome, no problem. You know what you want. And then I was like, well, you know, like I'm actually interested in X, Y, and Z and walked me through it. And like you said, just met you where you're at and like totally made it experience personalized to you. And it's the least pretentious, just mm-hmm. educational, fun, and welcoming. And I think, yeah, that's such a such a great great thing to hear from folks that are working with them as well. Well, and they make expertise accessible, right? It's like Matt at... Royal Oak and Lost Monarch. Like you, you talk to this young man who is so passionate about coffee, and you you get a little nervous. Like, what's the right order? And he's just like, "Hey, what do you feel like today? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I can help you get there. Have you tried this?" And you're like, "Can I put sugar in it? Can I not put sugar?" He's like, "You can put in it whatever's going to make you feel better today." And it's that type of accessibility to knowledge and expertise that I think is so fun. I think you're right. I think that's one of the advantages for the majority of people that call Vermont home, and it's an experience that people remember, not the transaction mm-hmm. right. that mm-hmm. that others maybe are, are focused on. So, um, and the overall lack of pretentiousness, I, I just is so refreshing. There's very few businesses that you can't pick up a phone call and say, "I want to talk to this individual at this company in Vermont," and not have it happen. Right? right, like you can yeah. call pretty much anybody. You can get a hold of anybody you want to get a hold of. The governor's in the phone book. That's right? not. <laughs> it's not the case in Boston and New York. <laughs> so true. I, it's and that's sort of the difference that I always say moving from Boston to Burlington for me at least. And of course, it's it's different for everyone. But just the accessibility of people that want to help yeah. and and genuine curiosity between, behind what you're doing and and you know how they can be part of it. Yeah. And I've also had a theory, too, over the years that there are not many real jerks up here, mm-hmm. like true assholes. There's just not a huge number. And I think it's because we all drive the same three roads. And statistically, right. we're all going to get stuck in a snowbank and need to be pulled out. So right. it's sort of eyes on, right? We, get, yeah. gonna, we have to be nicer. It's No, but it's a great point. I mean, I, I, I'm on the school board in Addison for Addison Central right now, which with all the consolidations you can imagine, it's, it's tough around the state. And we had a meeting the other night. Stacy's home was actually the host of this thing we're doing called Porch Conversations. In the afternoon, we were at a pool party with a couple of the folks that were at that Porch Conversation. And then that night at her Porch Conversation was the chair, the vice chair, and the superintendent participating with those same folks who are now asking us questions about school con- consolidation that we just hung out with, with you know, goggles on a couple hours before. (laughs) Good thing I didn't push you in the deep end kind of situation. So it is. It's a funny state that way. Um, Is there anything uh, our listeners can do to uh, support you and and Stone Mill during this this weird COVID period? 
Yeah, I mean, the while we still have this warm weather, come down, hang out on the deck, whether the stone mill's open or not. Come get a coffee when we are open. Just come in, say hi, have a chat. Um, and then we've also got the online store. If people want to purchase that way, we still have that up, um, which is uh, not an equally favorite tool among Mary and myself. So we shouldn't be calling you like e-commerce entrepreneurs or anything? <laughs> <laughs> Reluctant e-commerce. You know. But, there's, you know, we always try to have different things going we on and, and welcome people coming down and, you know, whatever they need, whether it has something to do with our store or something downtown, we'll help them figure it out. And help us to continue to learn, like, right? Like we... We want to be equally accessible, and we want folks to feel as if we are providing an avenue so that their intentions can be met and what they're looking for can be achieved. And so any way that we can support that, we want to hear about it. And every time college kids come, in, come down the hill from Middlebury and they walk in, we have an instant you know, meeting with them to understand their, their perspective on how we're doing things. And it's those ad hoc focus groups that we absolutely love. And so the more then the better. I love that. That's awesome. And is there anything that you guys are up to that's next that we should kind of keep an eye out for? <laughs> we're always guilty. We see buildings around town and we're like, what can we do <laughs> we with that, that building? <laughs> what do we need here in town? So we're always throwing ideas around and always excited to have that sort of conversation. Um, our latest thing is trying to figure out how we can get the farmer's market back on Main Street and close Main Street, which just reopened. So ironically, there are a couple different sides to that conversation. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be on to something else. And I do think this fractional model is things that we have to talk more about in, in the state of Vermont. Like, how do we bring that level of expertise in a way that is sustainable and supportive and we can continue to support smaller businesses that are trying to grow? And so we're going to keep putting more mind share to that and figure out a way to do that better uh, in different segments of business expertise. And so be on the lookout for that. Awesome. Great. Sorry, it's time. Our magic wand question. Oh, jeez. Like you can both have an answer. I think I'm okay with that. Um, if you could change one thing about Vermont today, what would you change? Housing. There's not enough. It's really hard for some people to move here, and it's a limiting factor in a lot of different ways. And there are rules we've also thought about, like, let's build some more houses. And, and it's not easy. And, and that's a fundamental problem to getting more people here, which is the next piece of yeah, it's a systemic issue with housing. Yeah. So I don't know. That would, that would be my thing to solve. Yeah. I, I think housing clearly is, is a challenge, and I think you know, general connectivity that is at a level that provides people with more options of where they're working from is important as well. So that we have housing in an environment where people can say, great, I could actually go and live there because I can be connected to the rest of the world that I need to operate within. And if we can build those types of infrastructure support networks, I think we can get to at least a steady state of a demographic population that can support this state in a way that it needs to be supported. That's great. Thank you so much for, for coming in today and, and sharing a bit more about your backgrounds and what you're working on. It's uh, really, really exciting. I miss Middlebury. I got to get down there. You're all, you guys are always welcome. Oops. We know a really great place. Well, for now tacos. we know we can get into the downtown. We can do that, can. right? You can. No worries. Well, thanks for having us and for all the work that you all are doing. Amazing. And we are huge fans. And whatever we can do to support, we will continue to do. 
You guys are the best. Yeah, well, thank you. This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. The series is supported by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Women in Enterprise. CWE provides opportunities for women entrepreneurs and women in business to increase professional success, personal growth, and financial independence. Check them out at cweonline.org. Please subscribe, share, let us know how we did on this podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's go shopping in Middlebury, Sam. All right. And get back to work.